0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nine Inch Charge. Welcome. This is not really an old, old show. It's a bit combined, really. This is a bit of a... I don't know what to call this.
1: It's a really old world show. <laughs>
0: yeah, a really, really old world show. So Jeremy and I have been looking back to the third edition rulebook and looking at all the races that existed then that don't exist today, either in... Um, Warhammer Fantasy Battles or in Warhammer Age of Sigmar. And we're going to go on a bit of a trip down memory lane. We're going to go and have a look at all these races that no longer exist and have a think about what they could be like if Games Workshop were to bring them back. So we've highlighted six, we're going to do three each. And then after we've done that, we're going to delve further into the beastry and talk about giant frogs and giant snails and leeches and all these other kinds of strange creatures and beasties that, um, that lived in the old world. Um, Jeremy, why don't you yep. kick us off? What's your first choice of unit that you would like to see back, or that you think is interesting that we don't have anymore?
1: Yeah, it was definitely a bit of a colourful dive back into the third edition book because we've never seen it before. But the one that really stood out to me was probably the elementals. So um, mm. really, kind of what you'd think think of think when you think of those classic elementals. So uh, there used to be rules for earth, air, fire, and water elementals. Um, they sound like they're kind of like sort of independent force that can be sort of summed up to the table. This could be completely wrong with being introduced to the book, um, but then you can sort of uh, power them around the table um, and they will way of sort of sort of combining and sort of capturing the magical of the warp onto the physical world of the old world. Kind of a bit like a demon is sort of like, plays host to actual um, magical forces itself and sort of solidify with them to operate in the world. Um, but it has some really, really interesting rules, like the fact that they were uh, instable, uh, which made sense, um, but they were completely magical beings. Um,
0: What's interesting about the elementals is that they only represent four elements. But we know what I would quite like to see if they were to bring them back in some way is that we know that there are eight major winds of magic. And if they're representing magic coming out of the warp, you know, why couldn't we have one that, OK, we've got a fire one, but why couldn't we have a heavens one and a beasts one and, and all the rest of this kind of stuff? And this is a little bit like what they're trying to do in Age of Sigmar at the moment where um, you won't know this, Jeremy. But at the moment, Age of Sigmar is set in the realm of beast, and every realm has its own, is a representation of a, of a law of magic and now it turns out that there are these incarnates and we used to have the incarnates Forgeworld world made a couple of incarnates you may remember them and um, there was an incarnate of beast and now there's a new one the incarnate of Gur. and i wonder if the elementals might be superseded by something that is a representation of the law of of, a, lore of magic and they might instead of being four they could expand on them and make eight i mean that
1: sounds like a really nice way, actually, of games, which are like being able to put their stamp on it. Because the thing about having to full basic elemental is that it's, it's, it's it's slightly cliched. It's it's kind of the thing that we've seen before in different forms of media. But actually, be able to like have like I don't know a dedicated elemental for shadow or, or life or death mm. or you know, to get to be, you can sort of really put you know that sort of games work or sort of a grim dark spin on it, which would be really cool. I and think kind of like... this
0: just this just shows that the game came grew out of Dungeons and Dragons, doesn't it? Really.
1: Yeah, I think it's a theme that we've kind of seen all uh, along this. You've got lots of different subspecies that would come on to in, in, in a bit, which makes sense from the role playing point of view, but don't really kind of make sense from like, the mechanics of how to do a war game and such. But I think you make a really good point actually about about, the, about, the, about um, how um, Age of Sigmar is currently doing things. I wonder if whether maybe the elemental that they brought back could be spun off like the Ender Spells that we've currently got, and whether that could be sort of mm. like another way of taking it forward and making it interesting.
0: I think there were some elementals I I may I might be wrong about this but I swear that there were some in the Chaos Dwarf army.
1: There was the the Foul army had these they were like flaming demons held down by chains with like armor wrapped around them. They were quite Yeah, cool. the
0: Kadai, fire fireborn, and mm. they are demonic fire elementals. So There were actually a unit of them that that came at the end, and they're really, really, really cool models. Um, So then you could begin to see how an army might look rather than having one spun off, um, which is kind of cool. I I think, for me, I think you're right, Jeremy, that they they kind of feel like they could be like an endless spell, like they could be summoned onto the table Mm -hmm. as part of an army rather than be an army on their own. But a lot of the things that we're talking about, and a lot of things that appear in the beastry and Third Edition, are like that. So um, mummies get their own section, and tree men get their own section, and things like that. But we know that actually they're part of a larger combined force. But yeah, I do remember the models actually for the uh, for the elementals. So I can remember thinking that they that they were cool.
1: I think I might have maybe seen them in an old edition of White Dwarf or something, or maybe like bought back in like a vintage section. But yeah, they were quite they, they were actually quite nice. Yeah.
0: Okay, I'm going to go next, and I'm going to pick the um, Femir. And the Femir, they're really interesting, and they're pretty brutal, actually. So I'm just going to read the the flavour text here that is for them. So, the Femir haunt bogs, fens, and desolate moorlands throughout the northern and western Old World. Their strongholds take the form of forbidding craggy piles of rock, crudely built in resemblance of human castles. All Femir settlements are wreathed in a thick mist, a miasma, which is magically generated by the Femir in order to shield them from sunlight. Indeed, when forced to travel beyond their fortress, they surround themselves in this enchanted mist and it moves with them. And that's played out in the rules. If you get five or more in a unit, they get this mist rule, which is really cool. And then I was reading further and they take a much darker turn, actually, and. Um, so, the warriors of the Femir, or Fem, are a scourge to human settlements along the coast of the Old World. The Femir are obliged to raid and carry off captives in order to perpetuate themselves, for there are no fertile Femir female females, and all femia are the result of a union between a Femir and a captive human woman.
1: Hmm. <laughs> I almost spent a little bit too much time thinking this one through, didn't I, really?
0: But that's very, very dark that they creep upon like towns and cities as this mist and they steal all the women and, and capture them and bring them back. I mean, you know, people talk about there was a big talk about um, that Slanesh was kind of missing from the Mortal Realms when Age of Sigmar happened. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, oh, well, is Games Workshop trying to shy away from this kind of thing? And then when Slanesh came out, there was like really disgusting models of a guy who's like, Basically, like his, his back had been opened up and then like spines oh, have been put oh, in and they oh, play God. a harp yeah, it's a harp, so harp back and <laughs> things like that. But I don't know how far down the down the way of, you know, being forced to mate with a horrible femur creature they would go. Um but I really like the idea that they're kind of like cruder versions of humans who kind of try their best to make these cobbled together <laughs> castles and things and then they have this really weird mist that they cast around themselves. And, like, if you see a creeping mist, like, and you're a human and living in any town, like in the Empire or something, you'd be bloody worried.
1: Yeah, I think that mist idea is really strong. It's quite dark, it's quite uh, atmospheric. As well, say it's I say obvious. I think there's always a problem when you start to do um, games start, like uh, Using, like, sexual assault as a game mechanic, especially because doing the games watch doesn't actually have a very good track record of like, introducing women in a positive role which doesn't seem designed purely for the male gaze so that's what makes me win slightly at the end They're of the
0: day. much better at it now actually mm. Um there's some really cool female Stormcast models and things like this that are coming out and um in Warcry they're like female barbarians and they're done really really well and they're not, I know you know I'm t- I know who I'm talking to. I know who my audience is. I know that all the women in in your dark elf army are scantily clad and yeah, no, wearing no, their no. metal bikinis and things. But there are there are other models out there where they do portray women um in a a more realistic um kind of light where they are like getting their hands dirty and they fight alongside the men in just just the same kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um it does talk about the women in the femi society because they um What's interesting about them is that they actually are the rulers of the society, so they're the witch queens and they're really powerful wizards um and they do and they do rule over the society um like I said they are revered, but they just the problem is they just can't perpetuate the species um they're all kind of like like mules, I suppose is it mules that can't um
1: Oh yeah, I can't have, they can't have offspring. Yeah, um,
0: yes, I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the I ah, so the Mister Misty Misty Mules. Okay,
0: yeah, they're Misty Mules. Um, so yeah, if if a Femi unit has five more models, it generates its own covering mist, and then they're minus one to hit by shooting. And um, enemies are able to return only the vaguest details of the Femir until they are until they're quite close. And then until an enemy model is um, within 12 inches of that unit, um, you can keep any character models associated with that unit hidden off the table. And then they come on when they're when they're close enough to see them. So you don't know where the heroes and things are in the units until you get, get right up to them. But they're very um they're not very good in the daylight they prefer it in the mist and they prefer it in their crags and places underground and things so if you fight the unit back to a point where it loses its mist they suffer from stupidity
1: that's cool
0: yeah so all that kind of stuff is very it's very good i think if they were to to tweak the other law that we spoke about slightly i think they'd be really interesting and they've got a really interesting um aesthetic as well and i think They're another one where there were models made for them at one point. Um, So you never know what they might do with them. But I think the mist thing they've kind of incorporated now into the hobgoblins. um, Because in Age of Sigmar, the hobgoblins have a mist that they kind of they go along and they've got these they've got these big scare face shields that are brightly colored. And then then out of the mist, all you see is these brightly colored like horrible faces. And then you know that they're that they're upon you. Um, so I think they've tried to combine that into the hobgoblins. And the hobgoblins are an army that that I I guess have recently come back in Age of Sigma. We're not going to talk about them in this video because I think they they deserve having a dedicated video about them just, just on their own because they're now forming quite a big part of the map and they've been mentioned a few times in the articles. So we won't mention them today. But that's that was my first pick. Um that was the the Femir.
1: So i am going to talk a bit about uh, Norse dwarfs now, which I thought was a really interesting one looking back on it, just to see that they had actually had this split in in um in, in the dwarf race. So you should just think about them as being, you know, chaos dwarfs and normal dwarfs, but actually just have a third variety I thought was really cool. So uh, as the name suggests, uh, they inhabit the mountains of Norseca, uh advanced north uh, of the Sea of Claws. Um, And they're actually living alongside uh, the human Norsemen, um, and they're described as being very similar in nature to humans, um, Mm. of being rather barbaric and aggressive, of loving drinking and fighting, and sort of having very similar uh, styles like dress and war gear. Um, One of the things that really jumped out at me was the fact that they are a seafaring race, um, and actually that they had colonies um, around uh, Lustria and um, the New World. which kind of obviously is playing very heavily, kind of into that sort of that Viking sort of aesthetic, um, and that it goes goes to actually the look of them as well, being kind of like uh, more uh, pale skin, that sort of red hair, so you've got that sort of like Celtic uh, vibe coming coming from them really strongly. Um, it's also really interesting actually to actually see that you can see the origins of some of the slayers, um, slayer models that we're so 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 familiar with now, and particularly got uh, beloved characters like Gotrex in there. So. Um, as well as having normal warriors, they're described as having sort of uh, several uh, special cult warriors, including berserkers, troll Slayers, and giant Slayers. So it's really cool actually to see like, the origins of like the slayers going all the way back to third edition as well. Um, and actually, that was its own separate faction, which have kind of then sort of like uh, merged and amalgamated into the main dwarf range as well. So I thought that was kind of
0: cool. What is really cool about the Norse dwarves is that not only do they travel to different places. I mean, I mean that is kind of that gives you a bit of a, a bit of free reign. If you were going to write them back into the game, you know, you could say anything. They dug down, they find, they found a new kind of metal, or they found this and that, and then
1: it was know, a new colony got, on the other side of the world. They got cut off and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, and actually, they are cut off. So when it, when you get to the end times, I know you don't like talking about the end times, Jeremy, and it isn't canon to you. But when you get to the end times. <laughs> <laughs> the Norse dwarves get a very little mention, and there are Norse dwarves, even in the Old World, that that have been cut off from the normal dwarves for so long. And then you think, well, they wouldn't have all this new stuff, would they? Have, I think they would have black powder, but they wouldn't have things like gyrocopters and mm-hmm. and things like that. And then it would just be really fascinating to see what they are like. And you know, and how their ancestor worship goes and how it differs and, and, th- and all the different runes that they might have discovered. So I think that's really cool. And I liked what you said about, it's nice that there's a third race because obviously with the elves, I collected the third race. <laughs> you got your high and your dark and then you got, yeah. you know, you wood else. So I think that, yeah, I think that's, that's cool. Um, I would like to see in the background. Seafaring dwarves would be brilliant. I tell you what would be really cool on one of those boats is when they're rowing along is I, know, I want to know what the uh, Norse dwarf drinking songs are.
1: I was i was just thinking that. I, I, I had a vision of like a slightly drunk dwarf just hanging out of, the, of a long ship, and that made me very happy. <laughs> and let's, and, have, let's, have, let's have long ships back, please. That, that'll do.
0: And actually, um, Vikings and things like that are very hmm. kind of in now, I suppose, is what you would say. Whereas I think when this was written, although it would have been cool, I think now there's a lot more people interested in Norse mythology and things like that than, than I can remember any other time. So I think it'd be a good chance then to bring them back, which I think brings us on. We've spoken about the Norse dwarfs, so why don't we talk about about the Norse Men? That's good. I do actually have to find where the Norsemen are in the book, though, because I was hovering over the uh, the gnomes. Well, the while, you're
1: talking, while you're while finding that, I'm just gonna just got to add something else. To I think it's a good chance that maybe we'll get Norse um, Norse factions. Uh, back into the game because we've seen obviously them be their own playable faction in the total war series as well so mm. um you know I have like mammoths as well so it feels like a, a great opportunity for gw to like introduce a new faction mm. um i can continue to talk if you found found the, found the page that you're
0: i found it but i was interested in what you were saying i was just imagining a giant war mammoth with like runes carved yeah. into its tusks and things like that i think that would be amazing that's, that's to awesome. see but no i found the norseman so They come under humans in the Tree in 3rd edition, and it's a special mention must be made to the Norse. These humans live in the north of the Old World, in the chaos-wracked of Norska. They sail all over the world in their somber dragon boats. So kind of similar to the, there is said, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, They do have this Viking aesthetic, and they do ride their their long boats. They're called dragon boats here. Um, Raiding and trading, pillaging and exploring, Norsemen are a common sight in the northern part of the Old World and their longships are frequently seen in the harbours of Kislev and the Empire. They are respected as mighty fighters, brave warriors and tireless adventurers. They're also inclined to drunkenness, boasting and fighting amongst themselves. They're very strong-minded and physically vigorous people but they are superstitious and rather suspicious of new inventions. Their gods are deities of battle, and their warriors amongst the most ferocious in the world. Um, insane battle berserkers are encouraged, and wolf-like shapeshifters are also accepted, uh, so that their armies may contain some very exotic troops. And it does go on to talk about about the wares. So, and it says an army may include wolf warriors. Wolf warriors are also wares and are capable of assuming wolf form. Um, which fight as wolf men half wolf and half man see where's below so we spoke about these before didn't we (laughs) i just read the opening sentence and i was a bit like hmm so it Hmm. says where's are creatures of human origin where they are like humans in all respects except that they're able to assume the form of a wolf and i'm thinking that is a very very big difference
1: I I mean, we're really having this think... chat, we were having this chat before about the way this book has been written, and it just feels like sometimes the emphasis isn't quite in the right place. <laughs>
0: yeah. If I said, oh, he's like a human in all respects, turns into a wolf, but...
1: apart <laughs> well, from that, regular chap, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um What is really interesting is the next line, actually, and this is something we didn't speak about off camera, is that, it is quite likely that it evolved from mutations of the standard human type, although it is remotely possible that the wares represent a slang genetic experiment of some kind, uh, which is really interesting. Um, they hunger for the need for flesh, and they are only comfortable if able to regularly transmute and feed on in their non-human form. So they're really interesting. Like I said, they carry different forms. Um, and they have different base sizes depending on what, what they look like. And they can turn into giant wolves or they can turn into a wolfman or they can be a human. Um, a really interesting unit type that I think I'd like to see them back over over the Norse dwarves in a way. But obviously I'd want to see them combined over the Norse men in a way. Because I'd like to see them combined. But I think they're just really fascinating that you have these shapeshifters. And I think their mechanic. You know, it might work. Some we do have units that have got different forms. I'm thinking about horrors, for example. Well,
1: dry, like dryads, like yes, used to be able to shape shifted didn't they?
0: Yeah, but I think if you read the rules here, it's not just a rule that's on their war on their war scroll or, or what have you, because actually they've got a different base when they turn into a giant wolf, so they become something a bit bigger and they actually like transform. Whereas when a dryad shapeshifts. It's kind of just all contained within the within the model.
1: But let's just stop and think about the arguments that would emerge from if you had to change base side mid combat. <laughs> just stop and just take that in for a second because that is beautiful and awful.
0: <laughs> oh well, we used to argue about how many we had within base to base contact all and what the does the flank look like. You'd be like, right, I've got a flank charge on you. No, you haven't because I've just transformed and now my <laughs> flank is smaller. <laughs>
1: <laughs> be amazing yeah
0: yeah so they they are a pick for me and I think you're right I think we will see Norse back because they're in total war they're a really interesting faction Vikings are cool and we'd like to see that and also you know, they've got these wild men with the berserker rage who have um, eaten too much mushroom stew and then they've got um, these wares that are a really interesting part of the army as well so lots of cool stuff that they could do there um how about you jeremy what's your what's your next pick
1: well i think my next pick has got to be the old faithful halflings. so something that probably um, most people familiar with warhammer will be aware of but halflings they're essentially hobbits they they come from an area of the empire called the moots which is obviously the shire um and they're a peaceful uh peaceful race uh with very pastoral existence and they live in prosperous lands uh they basically probably live in the nicest part of the old world that you could possibly find where more or less nothing really bad happens uh, often actually to say being raided by goblins, so not, not 100% great. Um, but they're not the best fighters, and their claim to military renown is as baggage, uh, baggage guards as well as cooks. Um, <laughs> there were some great rules here for them. So the but that an
0: were... army marches on its stomach, and if it's you've got a halfling true. cook, your army is going to be marching well.
1: Yeah, and fighting better as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, because they're really short, um, so they struggle to, uh, to, to ride horses, um they're so described as happily bouncing along the back of a small placid pony um quite a lot i did just have to get a placid pony on the table um and they get no charge bonuses because um they're just not strong enough you really to do any extra impacts as well um <laughs> there's a bit of a nice crossover there with Elves, so they're sort of really apt at, um fighting um in woodlands and sort of being amongst nature so they can travel through a wooded area without suffering any movement penalties just like wood owls can which i thought was quite a nice, nice moved um and also it just mentions their magic so being being a neutral power does certain sort of things they can do like they can't use an ecstatic uh magic or um and, they can, and they've got limitations of how many demonic spells they can cast as well so yeah, no mention of this early stage of the halfling hot pot uh catapult. Uh yeah, sort of sort of. I friendly. used to own
0: a halfling hot pot catapult as part of an emperor army that empire army that I had and it was I tell you what, they've got brilliant models, the halflings, because they're back as well in in um Blood Bowl, there's a halfling mm, um, team and They've carried on that that theme that they're that they're cooks, and in the halfling team, they've got little pasties, <laughs> which I think is just brilliant. Uh, I thought
1: they had hot dogs as well. Have I made it up? They do up?
0: have hot dogs as well, but yeah. the pasty is the most important. And I think it would be great to see them. I want like I would I would quite happily see them, kind of like how in the Orcs and Goblins book, goblins are like a massive faction. I'd love to see that, but. I think the way they're written in the law, because they only come from one small part, and actually the Empire Army it doesn't rate them particularly well as you said, they guard the baggage and and they they get ride the pack mules and ponies and, and they cook the food. You won't see a lot of them in the army. But the unit, the halfling hot pot caspot was a great great model and really fun and just goes back to um how characterful things in the old world could be
1: and some of it and just brings back that comedy element of it which yeah
0: exactly is a that
1: um, i i would I would think it would be great to have like a small I don't know you know division of halflings that you could include into an empire force if you wanted to um,
0: well it talks about slingers in the in the book and how they're really adept at slinging and you can add range to to them compared to normal men because they that's what they're really good at and also mm-hmm. you could use them as scouts if they're really good in woodlands and things like that and they're quite small so maybe they wouldn't they'd be you know less easy to detect they they would have a place i think mm-hmm. but they just wouldn't you know they're not, gonna go toe they're to not toe going to go toe-to-toe with, with a demigriff knight are they let's yeah. be yeah, honest they're not going to be in
1: the front line but yeah glad well, the idea that they maybe like they could like a sort of a sort of better form of a scout that'd be quite cool and yeah you're right they squad as being um excellent natural shots with all frame weapons and things <laughs> yeah
0: there we go all right so i want to talk about um another another short and stumpy race I would like to talk about the gnomes. So the gnomes are relatives of the dwarves and they share a similar cultural background, language and temperament. As far as anyone knows, gnomes have always lived alongside the dwarves and in their own distinct settlements and never mixing with their larger cousins. Hang on, let me read that again. Gnomes have always lived alongside the dwarves, although, oh, although in their own distinct settlements and never mixing with their larger cousins. So, how is that really alongside?
1: The thing that we have a settlement is like a line down the sand and it's then one crosses there.
0: <laughs> Oh my goodness. I don't know if anyone will, will get this reference, but there's, if you've ever seen Steptoe and Son, there's a, it's about a father and son who live together, and they, there's an episode where they fall out. And they draw a line down, down the middle of the living room, and one half. And the TV's got the controls on it because it's quite old. And one half, they've got half the TV each, but one side's got the controls, and they can choose what to watch. And I think that that's that might be what it's like. Um, I I I do I I don't know how I've ended up with it, but I've ended up with a second race where they talk about the sexual habits of them. so (laughs) so it says here it's not known whether gnomes and dwarves interbreed few people would dare quiz a member of either race on their sexual habits it is however doubtful as both races are proud and independent but there is nothing guaranteed to annoy a gnome more than mistaking him for a dwarf Um, there are a few that live amongst, amongst human society. Some of them come down and will trade and, and live in the cities. They're they're really good at magic um, and things like that. Um, they're just an interesting, um, an interesting take and a new unit that could go into into any kind of dwarf army. Um, as it says, they're they're wizards, master wizards, because dwarves don't use magic and they have obviously we know they've got the runes and they can have the anvil and they can smash that, but they've never, they've always shied away from using magic. And this opens that up to the dwarves, potentially.
1: They also very much feel like a race where it, it kind of made more sense within that sort of RPG context. Like if, if you play d and d you can play a name, and they are quite distinct from playing a dwarf as well. So I feel like yeah. it does that in that. I d- yeah, apart from maybe having the opportunity to introduce magic to a dwarf army, potentially there wasn't that sort of that huge sort of like uh, distinction there. So you kind of understand how over time maybe they were sort of folded together.
0: I think what would be interesting is if you've got them in an army together, and it says that that they are quite distinct and they live quite separate lives. Maybe you would say that a gnome can't use the leadership of a dwarf, for example, mm. or something like that. But I think it'd be fun to include them because I think. The only thing is is then when you start opening up dwarves to magic do you do you begin to water down kind of what is the true essence of a dwarf army and maybe that's why they didn't go go there and they kind of just make them kind of a bit more generic so i don't know but i think i think gnomes are cool in in rpgs i always like gnomes anyway okay um is that everything that we were going to talk about all the races
1: we're going to talk about sort of race. We're going to talk about some of the
0: beasts. Um, That's talk right. Oh, the Jeremy, the beasts have got me really excited. They're so. Some of them are so funny. And the first one, I'm going to scroll down now because the first one that I want to talk about are the giant snails. And <laughs> the reason why I want to talk to you about the giant snails is if I said to you, and we take out, oh my goodness, I I try not to stereotype. But this book stereotypes, so if I was to say to you, what nation in in our world is famed for eating snails, <laughs> and then if you translated that across to the yeah. to, to the Warhammer the old world which which race of people do you think then go on great snail hunts to achieve this this foodstuffs
1: Oh no, it's not the theatos <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And they have they have hounds that sniff them out, and they go and they wag their tails and bound off into the forest. And there's a whole season where where the giant snails hibernate, and the Bretonians go and harvest them for their for their food. But they do have to fight them in combat. They can never Mm. charge; they're slow moving, but they have a slime that is poisonous. But
1: I tell you, my heads are spiraled off into because if anyone's ever seen like medieval illuminations, they always have couple doodles of like knights fighting snails. I'm just thinking now some sort of a snail snail slaying, that's very difficult to say, snail slaying unit. Or like a Petonian hero famous for fighting, I don't know, like Nurgle snails or something. I think that'd be amazing.
0: But they are big. They're on a 40 by 40 mil base, so they're not small by any means. And... We do have a giant snail in existence in the Warhammer world at the moment. Horticular Slimax of um, the Nurgle tone. He rides into battle on the giant snail. So there is every chance. Um, there are also giant frogs, giant leeches, giant rats, giant spiders. I mean, you, you name an animal and you put the word giant in front of it, and it's here.
1: Yeah, I wanted to just briefly mention the, uh, the giant leech. the because I thought that was a wonderfully disgusting idea. Mm. Um, Scott, being a single hit from a giant leech, can suck a man dry in seconds. So it sounds pretty lethal, which kind of makes sense.
0: They hide uh, up trees and drop onto their victims, which gives them a plus five to their initiative in the first round of combat, because you will, never, you will never get the jump on one. It is always going to be just waiting for you.
1: No one ever looks up.
0: But I think that's <laughs> yeah. I think that's cool for narrative play. Like if you go in somewhere, like if you go into this place, like there, there's a chance there might be leeches there, and then you get like just like if you could give that rule to like terrain or something, I think would be very cool.
1: Yeah, I felt like the leeches dislike fire, which, is, which makes sense. like can swim through the wall. So Yeah, yeah. Give it, give it the creeps, but like a cool, cool, you know.
0: Mm. Um. What was the other ones that I wanted to talk about? Oh, I wanted to talk about, and this is something that had a model that I didn't even realize that they had a model until I was looking at this. And this is um, a type of cold one. So you, Jeremy, of course, will be familiar with the cold ones mm-hmm. because you've got cold one nights and things like that. But actually there were cold one warhounds, which were like a smaller, a smaller version. And they hunted in packs and you would let them just kind of loose onto the battlefield and they go around and you know you'd have to fight a pack of them off which i thought was very cool and they did have models back in the day though i'd never seen them until now
1: no i think that's really cool i quite like the idea of bringing those back and like having like a dark health beastmaster master so like whipping them into battle to charge across the table I that'd be really cool.
0: yeah um the frog sounded really cool as well, actually. And I've actually I've seen other models make giant frogs. Um, and it, it reminded me of playing Talisman, because if anybody's played the game Talisman, which is made by Games Workshop and is, is set loosely in the Warhammer world, it's got the crown of command, which is an item um, that you may be familiar with. Um, but one of the things that can happen to you in that game is that you can be turned into a frog. And then you lose all of your equipment and things like that. And you have to hop around until you get turned back. Um, so this just made me think about that. So they are giant carnivorous frogs that live in Lustria. And um, they prey on just about any living animal it can fit into its accommodating stomach, including including slans. Yeah. <laughs> so they're big enough to eat a slan, and they will often have a go at doing it. Um, They've got poisonous skin, and the poisonous skin is used as an ingredient in, in blowpipe poison. So that, this is something, so they're actually quite sought after and quite prized. And it says also here, a tiny amount is used during the, the preparation of a potent pygmy beverage. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so you can choose to get a little bit intoxicated, or you can you can use them to make poison arrows. And apparently, they're very tasty. They're quite a delicacy. I like yeah.
1: the uh, the long sticky tongue as well to make to make a,
0: a single strike was quite a nice. Part. Oh, apologies. There we go. Yeah, um, yeah, very very cool. Yeah, they can use it in a shooting attack, and it is um, causes a strength three hit. But any models damaged are killed, and there's no armor saving throws. A victim is plucked from the unit and dragged into the frog's maw and swallowed.
1: I mean, who needs who needs a bolt throw when you've got a giant frog?
0: <laughs> yeah, unit you know of them Bloody hell But yeah, I mean, there are ones that do exist Giant spiders exist And giant rats exist And there are swarms and things like that Hobhounds um, I think we have talked very briefly about hobhounds in, in other episodes We touched on mammoths So shall we talk about mammoths? Because we said we'd like to see them come back Yeah, you? I think
1: mammoths would be a really great inclusion If you were going to bring back the Norse You'd have to have some of the mammoths to go with it And there used to be a four-drive model um, I don't know if it's still being produced now uh, chaos War- A chaos mammoth
0: Um, What's cool about mammoths is they were around um, before the slam because they're just really, really old and they've always been in the world in some way or another. Um, So the war mammoths of Norska are creatures captured as infants and raised by the Norsemen to serve them. In the old world, mammoths exist within menageries and circuses uh, where they attract huge crowds. Uh, the crew of the war mammoth frequently work as its stable hands during peacetime, earning considerable sum of money <laughs> um, with their association with Norska's many rhubarb growers.
1: I just read that, and I thought I had to read it again and go, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's so random.
0: So I'm assuming they're picking the rhubarb.
1: Oh... I... <laughs> What, what what do you say say more with like mammoths and Vikings than who part? I mean
0: the <laughs> other thing that, that I like quite a lot is the description of a mammoth. And if you're gonna go into a fantasy world and you're gonna describe this monster, and maybe you're gonna describe it from the point of view of someone who's never seen one, I mean I think sometimes think of the Romans. You know, when they first saw an armored war elephant, you know what kind of mythical creature must they think it was like? And it says, "Physique, mammoths are very much like elephants, although larger and somewhat hairy." <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know <that> um,
0: so... <laughs> yeah, so I think there's a bit of work to be done now. I, I want to see an expansion on what on earth they've got to do with rhubarb.
1: <laughs> I think there's a, there's, a, there's a book there from the Black Library, the Rhubarb Growers,
0: I think. <laughs> yeah um so but they've got a hodar on the top and they can fight down so and it does two stomps they cause fear um you know i think they they almost certainly work in the same manner as the um the not triceratops from the uh from the lizard men
1: the other one that i kind of wanted to briefly mention was the gorgon um being very much kind of like what you'd expect it to be a sort of a strange blend of woman and snake, um, and able to sort of um petrify people. Um but I thought this was really interesting because um obviously we brought in as part of the Sisters of um, sisters of Cain um faction to Age of Sigma um and sort of bring yeah. them the update tradition for the Dark Owls, but um they, there wasn't really a unit up until that point, um, even if they're quite well established in, in the new game.
0: Isn't a Gorgon in the Beast Men? isn't it the thing that that seeks out magic and carries the big waystone and is blind?
1: Oh, maybe. I can't remember what that's called now.
0: I swear that's called a Gorgon. So, that's interesting in itself that I thought I knew what a Gorgon was and now I don't. A Gorgon is one of the rarest and most feared creatures of chaos. Mainly it's said to live within... Many, it is said, live within human society unrecognised by their victims until it is too late. Others, more severely mutated, live in a desolate northern wastes, where they prey upon other abominations of chaos. A strange blend of woman and snake. Some have the lower body of the snake, while others appear perfectly normal, apart from a writhing mass of living snakes which grows in place of hair. The mutation is distinguished, which distinguishes Gorgons, and which no Gorgon is without. Yeah, and they do have the petrifying stare. So, yeah, they are back. Um, it's interesting that they're called Gorgons because I swear that, that there was something else in the Warhammer world called a Gorgon.
1: Can we just sort of pause just on, on uh, up the, uh, the point of this where it says, they live within human society, unrecognised by their victims until it's too late. How does someone who has snakes for hair blend themselves into society?
0: But I think they, I think what it's, Yeah, in society at large, I think that's it. Yeah, but maybe what I was taking from that is that they might live in some shadowy place or in the sewers or in an abandoned house or something. When they come out, they will beguile their opponent because there's, I think they share something similar to kind of like the Sirens or the Lamia Mm. because Lamia were always able to beguile people and make them fall in love with them. And I think it's, you get struck by, you know, whatever beauty or powers that they've got um, and then, yeah, you're you're right. I don't think they're just you know walking down to Waitrose every day and just like <laughs> I don't know. what, what well, I love yeah. what you've
1: done with your hair today. It's just so so frizzy. It's <laughs> <laughs> it like, wearing like a really big shawl around their head or
0: something? <laughs> yeah, um, but in Warhammer Age of Sigmar, they're called Melusi, Is what they're called? Mm-hmm. The ones with the bows, anyway. Um, So there we are, but yeah. So there you go. Who would have thought? I mean, we always talk about how multifaceted and interesting the old old world was, and that all these different units that we'd like to see brought back. And often, I'm just talking about bringing back the Wood Elf chariot, um, which would (laughs) just slam straight into a tree wherever it goes. Um, But there are, you know, there is all this to it. I mean, we've talked about six races and all these different monsters, and we could just go on and on. Really, there's even more that we could talk about here. But it was just really a really fun and kind of fascinating read because, you know, we didn't play third edition, although we remember some of the models and, um, you know, we remember halflings because I used to own some and and things like that. But just really interesting to see what they might bring back. So make sure you leave a comment and let us know um, either which you think is the most interesting or did we miss anything out? What would you like to see back in and in what capacity would you like to see anything added to your army or would you like to see a brand new army? Um, I think that's just about that's just about everything. Unless you have anything to add, Jeremy.
1: I just say it's been a really interesting like trip down um, to trip, trip down memory lane to seeing how how, how things have changed within games workshop over the years.
0: Hmm. Yeah, a lot less talk about sex between the races is what yeah. I would say these days. <laughs> that's what we're taking away. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, although we did tread on that, we didn't talk about. Um, we talked a little bit about racial, racial stereotyping with the frogs, but of course we didn't touch pygmies, not, um, not with a barge pole. Um, but who knows? Maybe one day. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for watching everybody. This has been Nine It's Charge. If you've enjoyed it, make sure you leave a like. Um, if you'd like to see more like this, please subscribe to the channel and we will catch you next time. Thank you very much for watching. Please be sure to leave a comment and let me know what you think. I do read every single comment. If you've enjoyed this video, please be sure to give it a like. And if you'd like to see more content like this in the future, please consider subscribing to the channel. And if you'd like to take the conversation even further, you can join the 9 Inch Charge Hobby Hangout Group on Facebook. This is a place for us to come together as a community and encourage each other and chat about our hobby. And feel free to share your models, thoughts, ideas, or ask any questions that you may have. There's a link in the description below. And if you'd like to support the channel, you can find a link in the description to our Patreon page, or you could become a YouTube member. And you can also support the channel by using the affiliate link we have to Element Games. They have a really extensive hobby range. I'm sure you can find anything that you're looking for on there. And they also sell it at a discount to Games Workshop. And if you use the affiliate link, we get a small amount of commission back that we can use to put back into the channel. As ever, this has been 9inch Charge. Thank you very much for watching and I will catch you next time.